Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Uh, any, any port in a storm, that's what that means, right? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh, don't worry. You can just piss in my mouth, brother. Hello, and welcome back to the Internet's number one fake history podcast, The Lore Boys. Uh, This week, we're talking about God of War. Specifically, we're talking about the latest pantheon Kratos of Sparta has found himself embroiled in, and the differences and similarities to the actual Norse mythology behind it. Um, My name's Ethan Palmer. I want to give a content warning up front for one story of Odin, which does involve uh, a hanging, uh, him hanging himself, so... Uh, if that doesn't sound like your thing, uh, it'll be in like the last 15 minutes of the episode, probably. Um, so yeah, uh, I guess uh, it's worth saying that um, we've done a God of War episode before. Apparently, I hosted it, though I have no recollection of such a thing. Uh, where <laughs> We talk about uh, Kratos of Sparta, the demigod son of Zeus, who uh, kills the entire Greek pantheon, more or less. Um, if you guys want to check that one out, there will be a link in the description of this episode to our website where you can find it, or you can probably find it on Spotify. Um, but before that, do you guys want to introduce yourselves, Peter and James? I'm Peter and uh, I'm James. Don't call me boy, Miller. Okay. Okay. Yeah, good. All right. Yeah, we are doing the dad of boy series, right? As dad of girl, do you find it hard to empathize with the game, Ethan? Uh, you know, it's it's so funny because I've been playing God of War 2018, which which. The, this episode was my wife's idea because she's been watching me play it as, and has been bugging me constantly about um, about like the mythology behind it. And like we've kind of just been talking about it as I've been playing, including. So I guess it's worth saying now that uh, there will be no spoilers for Ragnarok in this episode, as well as no major spoilers for the 2018 game. Uh, there, there will be like one or two minor spoilers, including like. Hey, you know, it turns out the guy who you meet in the first 30 seconds of the game, who is the big bad enemy, you do end up beating him in the end, I guess. It's like Connor one, McGregor. Connor yeah. McGregor. You, you do you do kick the shit out of Connor McGregor. Yeah. Um But my my wife was like asking me about Connor McGregor and something to do with him. I ended up Googling it because I was curious and then it, it was like huge spoiler for one of the points of the game. I was like, ah, oh, thanks a lot, babe. But um, <laughs> uh, yeah, so I, as a, as a father of daughter, I think it's so funny that I've been playing this and I haven't started watching the last of us well, yet. I was, Oh yeah. Because, like, <laughs> honestly, dude, if I had a daughter, I would not want to put myself through that show. I feel yeah. like I'm like, it, I know, I know how it goes. I know how it's going to end. Right. Like I know how the first yeah. episode probably goes, but like, I still like, don't know if I really want to watch it, but yeah, that boy is fine. He's, he's, you know, Everything works out okay in the end for him. I watched the first episode and I'm having a hard time coming back to it just because mm-hmm. I know how emotional the series is. I'm like, am I ready? Like, will I cry when I spend an hour watching this? I might. 
So I just I'm not in the mood for it right now. I don't yeah. know when I'll be in the mood to cry, honestly. Sometimes sometimes you are. Sometimes yeah. you're like, man, I just want to watch Forrest Gump. You know what I mean? Yeah. You guys, yeah. Sometimes I just gotta I just need that gut punch, right? I yeah. can recommend a very good movie that made me almost cry recently. It was it's in French. Uh it's Les Intouchables. They remade it as The Upside with Brian Cranston. Uh it's about uh, a felon who helps a quadriplegic rich guy. And the, okay. the original French version is Oh, good. I watched that. I watched that. It was good. Yeah. yeah. The French one's great. Cool. I've never heard of it. Um, I hadn't either. <laughs> do you guys want to talk about some Norse mythology? No. So oh, okay. Norse. Is that like a horse? <laughs> it can be. Uh, the okay. only limit is your imagination. Uh, <laughs> before, before we jump into the actual episode, I do want to thank everyone who's been taking the time to leave us some, some stellar reviews on iTunes. Uh, just, a, just to shout out a few, Jippy893, The Legend, Syrah, Honest Dawn, and G.I. Jerk. Thanks a lot for, for doing oh, that. Uh, as I've said before, it really helps the show. Oh, cool. Um, okay, I guess let's start. What do you guys know about Norse mythology? Jamie knows there's horses. Um, whenever, um, you guys seen that, that, that video of the guy who's like all fucked up and he's going through the doorbell cam and he's like trying to say, open the door, but he just keeps saying, open the door, open the door. I've seen that. No. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Is uh, it on ring R slash ring fails or something? Yeah. <laughs> yeah not th- okay. So not that. And he's, he's Loki, the God of tricksters. Is that what you're, you're alluding yeah, to I here? I think or? you shouldn't open the door if someone asks you to yeah. open the door. Yeah. You know, what I think it's cool about ring doorbells is Amazon basically got us to set up our own, like constantly surveilled security state uploaded to their cloud. And all they had to do is make sure it was memeable. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, there was so, Norse. The the viral marketing behind ring doorbells is actually like really fascinating. There's some cool articles on like Medium about oh. it and stuff. Oh. Um, so North yeah, so you guys, you guys have both played the game, right? You guys have, have both played God of War 2018, and I've beat beaten the story. Yeah. Uh, yeah. As I said, we're not gonna we're not gonna talk about the main story beats too much. We're gonna <laughs> kind of follow the story, meet some of the characters from Norse mythology, and then expand on them. Okay. Um. So yeah. So you guys know about, let's say, Odin. I just I referenced Odin. Loki. You guys know who the world serpent is and what Yggdrasil yes, is, right? Yggdrasil is, is Norse. Okay, that's the world tree. Yeah. That's in Elben Bing and uh, Digimon and uh, Assassin's Creed. And Sasso Credo. Yeah. yeah. It, it's um, it's in everything. Um, I I So much of English culture is seems to be Norse inspired. As I was doing like reading, I was like, man, so so many of these stories are kind of like a tale as old as time. Uh, and that's probably because, like, hey, the the Anglo and Anglo-Saxon, it turns out, is for English, right? Uh, What's the Saxon yeah. for? German. Wow. Uh, is that Norse mythology, or is that real? Nor- Norse is like Scandinavian, but they were, I want to say, conquered by the Anglo-Saxons, merged with the Anglo-Saxons in some way. Uh, they I'm invaded not a- England at some point and then, like, came to bargain with it. But also, like... Yeah. Western canon, a lot of it is derived from Beowulf, and then like even that was like inspired Lord of the Rings, which is like the fantasy that is the English myth, right? Other than King Arthur, yeah, yeah. So like almost all Norse mythology, like the the biggest um, the biggest sources for Norse mythology is is something called the Eddic poems or the Poetic Edda. Uh, which is where like most of, I guess, the, the primary source for most of the material we're going to talk about today is, which is by a guy named Snorri Sturluson, uh, which <laughs> is a great Scandinavian name. Open um, the snore. Yeah. 
so there, there's plenty of there's plenty of like not criticism but i guess just like acceptance that uh snorri sturluson was by all accounts a bad historian so a lot of the the myth that we have is like very tainted very tainted excuse me with like christian worldviews at the time because christianity had a huge influence on uh on norse mythology and norse mythology had a huge influence on christianity as we kind of know it today so we'll get into a little bit later but balder who will just we'll just kind of introduce he's the conor mcgregor the big bad guy of the games uh he's often viewed as a as like a jesus figure in norse mythology as he's this like untouchable untouchable son and and all this and odin is in some ways like a parallel to uh, a more traditional monotheistic god um he's very old testament i know uh not like i guess zeus is kind of similar to old testament god as well but we talked about him last time he's just a bastard old testament god is a true (laughs) true blue son of a bitch and and like i said in our assassin's creed episode he's kind of rad just in how like unhinged he is and odin i think i've heard is similar to that where he curses children and whatnot right we'll we'll get to odin and like it's not all good but it's actually really interesting how the the game paints him compared to how traditional uh history paints i'd say he's he's way more tame than old testament god but we'll we'll get to him he's he's the last thing we're going to talk about today um we're going to start instead with the nine realms or the nine worlds of Norse mythology. Uh, as they are known, these are the homelands of all the various beings found in the pre-Christian worldview of the Norse and other Germanic people. The worlds are held in both the branches and the roots of the world tree Yggdrasil. So I was going to just list them in, a, in no particular order, but you guys have both played the game, albeit years ago. Do you guys think you could list all nine? No, uh, I know. Uh, I know. Muspelheim is the fire one, isn't it? Muspelheim, yeah. Excuse me, and I know that one. It's because that is the video game as time trial that I actually finished right. during my playthrough, and that was the gear set because every realm has its trial or whatever. And at the end of those, you collect these resources and bring them back to uh, the dwarf, the dwarven smiths who build your gear. And every realm has, I think, two mutually exclusive gear sets based on like what build you're going for. They're the little brothers that are arguing, right? And they upgrade your stuff. We're we're gonna talk about Brock and Sindri and who they are in the actual North. Uh, I know a little later on. So you guys, you guys know Earth. You guys know. And there's way I I I didn't get to guess. Yeah, go ahead. Dominaria. Excellent. Brexia. Okay. Excellent. Come on, you know Earth, right? Midgard. Midgard. Yeah. Midgard is the world of humans. We have Alfheim, the world of elves. We have right. Svartalfheim, the world of dwarves, which I don't believe you visit in the game. Uh, Jotunheim, the world of giants. You have Hell, right. the world of the dead. You have Muspelheim, the plane of fire. You have Niflheim, the plane of ice. You have Asgard, the world of Aesir gods, which you don't visit in the game. And you have Vanaheim, the world of Vanir gods, which you don't visit in the game. Which was the mm. one full of that pink fog? It wasn't pink. It was blue. But that was that was Niflheim, the, the plane okay. of ice. I'm, I, was it Niflheim or Svartalfheim? No, there's a pink fog mm-hmm. time no. trial in a maze. Uh, it's because memories finished. are stored like uh, photograph negatives. Uh, that's oh, <laughs> yeah. My <laughs> <I> bad. <Yeah. laughs> the memory thing is also in our Assassin's Creed episode. I've never... Yeah. I mean, it's, it's definitely gray. You, you can tell me it's pink all you want, but it's like it's, a hun- it's definitely 100% gray mist. I, I just I, I've, just uh, yeah. did it. Yeah. I've just I've just did it. I beat all the I opened all the realm tears. I I maxed my dwarf Niflheim armor like Right. Okay. No. Okay. You're you're absolutely right. Uh my memory from this was the pink hourglass bar at the top. 
Oh, okay. Yeah, fair. Yeah. Fair. So for, for me, obviously, because I was stressed out dying in the poison fog, I was constantly staring at the pink hourglass at the time. Yeah. I, I never beat this that game. one. I streamed this game on our Lore Boys uh, Twitch way back when. Twitch.tv slash the Lore Boys. We never use it, but that's where you guys can follow if you ever want it. Yeah. <laughs> maybe we'll maybe we'll stream on there someday. Every it's once good, in a while we pop up. Good twice yeah. a year for the mailbags, right? Like that's yeah. Yeah. Uh so in the Norse myth, all but Midgard are said to be invisible worlds, meaning invisible to man is what I assume. Uh which just means like which I assume is just the explanation of like why why can't you see this Asgard or this Jotunheim when you look out your window, Snorri? Um, yeah, if I was caked in mud wearing uh, deer antlers on my head in a fur coat because I was the yeah. shaman of the Norse village, that would be yeah. also my excuse. Yeah, but you'd also be hidden from the. You'd also be invisible to the predator, which is pretty pretty handy because you're caked in mud, right? Yes. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so they're said to be invisible, though they they do intersect with Midgard, and in certain places are are considered more visible. For example, Jotunheim is, which is the land of giants. Uh, is said to intersect in the wilderness of Midgard. So anywhere that's kind of wild places, the ocean is viewed as Midgard because it's wild and savage. Um, Hell, uh, the realm of the dead, it intersects in graves and tombs. Uh, Also the cold, dark north, uh, kind of like the Arctic. Uh, The Arctic, like ice, is considered hell. um, Because there's like, there's no no, no, no. CDN, Canada. Oh! (laughs) (laughs) Canada. North to Kadan, yeah, settlers of Kadan up here. Yeah. Yeah. Um, then there you have Asgard. It's said to intersect with like the sky because the the uh, As- Asgardians, uh, the Aesir, live above. Um, so in the beginning, as with so many stories we tell, <coughs> we begin with a void. I have an excerpt from the Prose Edda uh, as translated by Arthur Gilchrist Broder here. I'm just going to get the void again. <laughs> I, I don't <laughs> think that is one that we drink to. But when I was writing this, I was like, we should probably add it to the list. But yeah, these guys get a pass. OK, this was this was this is translated from something written in a thousand CE. Like, oh, okay. these, yeah, these guys yeah, yeah. are off the hook, right? OK, uh, Ethan, given the Vikings, the, the void word <laughs> pass basically here. <laughs> uh, and it's also not even a true void, which we'll get into when I read you okay. the, the, uh, the quote here. So oh, it's get- like space. Sorry. <laughs> It's not a true void. Okay. Gap, the yawning void, which faced toward the northern quarter, became filled with heaviness and masses of ice and rime, and from within, drizzling rain and gusts. But the southern part of the yawning void was lighted by those sparks and glowing masses which flew out of Muspelheim. So, there's a void in the beginning, but there's also the realm of fire and the realm of ice to start. Okay. And and one is one is above, the realm of ice is above, and the realm of fire is below, which I think is is very interesting i i i don't know this for sure but i wonder if like the uh who taught the vikings how to read maps and if they they had a concept of north being at the top already because they always say that ice is at the top but heat is is in the south so kind of referencing like the far south like greek where where kratos greece where kratos would be from would be very hot right for them for vikings living in in sweden they'd probably find it very very hot so they believe that that heat comes from below uh, ice comes from the north and uh, where they kind of met in the middle in uh, the void, which they call Gnungagap, uh formed Midgard. Midgard is created out of ice and fire meeting in this void. Okay. I like that. It's, because Sweden is at an angle. If you look at it on a map, uh, one of my best friends at work is from Sweden. 
and mm-hmm. he does make a distinction between like Stockholm in the south and where his parents live in the north. So they probably, although they probably knew somehow if they were going down towards water, it was getting warmer and up away from it. But again, like I'm trying to speculate on if they even knew what direction they were going in in the first place yeah and it's like down it's like north and south it's not down and up right like it's yeah, like yeah of course north and yeah. south yeah. in terms of like a creation myth i like it too because if you have a fire on top of ice sure there's a little bit of intermingling happening but not that much but with the ice on the top and the fire below right that's what causes the melts which causes oh, yeah. the steam which causes like a cycle yeah. in the middle right like, that is really cool i hadn't thought of that yeah. um so they will create Midgard. They haven't created Midgard yet. I guess they don't technically create Midgard. They create life. Um, so this intermingling of primordial forces leads to the creation of the first being, a hermaphroditic giant named Ymir. Uh, so Ymir is the, the first being uh, in creation, essentially. Okay, cool. I, well, it wasn't that big comparatively back then, but... Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, I'll, get it, I'll get into it in a second, but giant is a misnomer. It doesn't mean big. Um, okay. But Ymir was probably big. Now, Ymir was the first being in creation. It was either him or a cow, essentially. That's that's what we have. So I like to think that Ymir was created. He created a cow uh, which he could suckle. So he he like fed himself off this cow named Outhumla. Uh, okay. cows, cows were probably very important in like early Germanic cultures as a source of, of dairy, as a source of meat, like cows were, were probably like pretty important they, they wouldn't necessarily have like sheeps as much uh i think cow was like their primary livestock so it makes sense that it, it made it into the creation myth so this this cow whether he created it or whether it already existed before him uh gave him milk to eat and, and he repaid it with a, a salt lake a well, singular the- cow existing within the void of creation is just like a Douglas Adams chapter written thousands of years before he was born. <laughs> uh, right. Uh, yeah, that's, I mean, that's a spot on description. Um, so while Ymir the giant slept, other giants sprang unbidden from his legs and the sweat of his armpits. So uh, from him, uh, asexually, he reproduces to create more giants. Now, as I was saying, giant is in North, North myth, excuse me, is normally a misnomer uh, caused by its anglicization. The Jotnar, or or the singular Jotun, were not necessarily large. They come in all shapes and sizes. Not all of them were even typically humanoid, uh, nor necessarily larger than any of the other creatures of the Nine Realms. So uh, you could have a giant who is uh, as big as, um, as a human. You could have a giant that is as big as a giant snake which spans the world, right? right. Um, they're both giants. I like the idea that the they come from the armpits and stuff. It's like what like Nordic mothers would tell their kids: make sure to wash your armpits, or else you'll get giants in your bed. You know? <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So, so um, regardless of his size, from the salt lick, Ymir had given his trusty cow uh, the first of the proto gods sprang as as the cow Adhumla was licking the salt lick, which I think um lends lends credence to this uh early christian idea that people are made of salt right like uh when when god early Early testament god turns the people of either sodom or gomorrah into pillars of salt no he burns Uh, the city but he turns lot's wife into it because he's just like i'm going to kill everyone you know don't watch and then she takes a peek and he turns her into salt so there's definitely yeah there's something there yeah so um this idea that that humans are salt uh in in some way is i think uh old Old canon, I guess we could say yeah. pre pre science canon. Um, 
<laughs> so the first of these proto gods, this Acer I mean, god, salty. That's not our sweat is salty. We do have salt you, in us. It's yeah, uh, exactly. Like if, if all you had to do is test and uh, test in your Nordic lab was lick mm -hmm. people, and like that's all you could tell. It's like that's how you get the humors, and then yeah, it's salty yeah. on the outside, right? Exactly. In high school, I was biking down the road that I lived on, and some other high schoolers I went to school with uh, that knew me were driving by, and they took a box of salt from inside their car and they threw it at me while I was biking and it hit me and I was like, yeah. And I went and talked to a friend later and I was, I told him the story. I was like, these guys came and threw a box of salt to me. And he's like, yeah, that's a salt. Very dumb. Oh, fancy pants. Yeah. That I have not read the old Testament. So, uh, Ethan may completely be right. And the only thing I know about salt in the Bible is turning Lot's wife into it. So, yeah, okay. No, that's the one that I was thinking of specifically. Okay, yeah. Uh, so we have a, the first of the Aesir gods known as Buri, who springs forth from this salt lick, and this is Odin's grandpappy. Okay. So uh, he'd give birth to someone who would give birth to Odin. Okay. Uh, Odin, along with his brothers Vili and Vey, would slay Ymir, and from his corpse fashioned Midgard. Okay. Right. So I have heard Odin this. Odin, who created the world from the, the corpse of the giant Ymir. Right. Well, uh, I, I have a quote from the poem Song of the Hooded One. Song of the Hooded One, excuse me. Uh, translated by Daniel McCoy. Are you going to sing it? No, it's, no, you don't have it's, to. It's a, <laughs> it's a poem, so no. It's, it's <laughs> a song. You just said so. Oh, it's the poem Song of the Hooded One. Hooded yeah. One. I keep saying Hunin. Hunin. Uh, my <laughs> nose is blocked today. I apologize. From Emir's, from Emir's flesh, the earth was created. Uh, and from his sweat, the sea, mountains of bone, trees from hair, and from the skull, the sky. I was going to say, why did you start as Michael Bolton? For that yeah. <laughs> I like that. I can just picture Ethan working away at a, at a, as a blacksmith, humming that to it himself. Yeah. Yeah, Bruce, uh, Bruce Springsteen actually actually wrote Song of the Hooded One. So. Oh, uh, yeah. So from Ymir's flesh, the earth was created, and from his sweat, the sea, mountains of bone, trees of hair, and from his skull, the sky. And from his eyebrows, the blithe gods made Midgard, home of the sons of men, and from his brains, they sculpted the grim clouds. So mm. a little bit to unpack here. Specifically, the eyebrows are said to be what created Midgard, because Midgard is, is not... Uh, as the world of men, it's not the world; it is literally civilization. So it's it's literally the concept of the world of man, where man lives within their domain, as opposed to Jotunheim, which is the wilderness and like the the savage world outside. So not necessarily distinct realms in a planar sense that we think of, but also at the same time, yes, distinct realms depending on your interpretation. Okay. Again, Snorri Sturluson is the primary source for most North mythology. Uh, uh, it's probably thousands of stories told over thousands of years that have kind of been condensed into this one guy's view when Christianity had already been introduced into the region and so probably corrupted in some ways. Uh, so like like a lot of real world history, you're going to get different accounts from different different people and different stories which tell different uh, like truths. Like a lot yeah. of Greek mythology, you'll have like, oh, this guy did this, which kind of... Um, you know, um, makes it impossible that they did something else. Like, oh, they died at this point, but then they're also in this story after the fact or whatever, right? And it, I, none, none of it really matters for mythology. In school, uh, I had to take a class called histo historiography. 
which is not history. It's the study of how history is recorded and what's the proper ways to record history rather that like, so that someone way down the line can read it rather than just being biased and yeah. whatever. Yeah. And what is the right way to, to, to record history, James? Hmm? What is the right uh, side of history? Tell us. That took me a, a, a whole semester to learn. So I don't know if you got time. No, I'm a quick I, I'd say it was okay. like you write down things that you see, but interpret them through the lens of your own political biases and then just leave it like that for centuries. Okay, so what I'm doing? Yeah. Okay, good. What we're doing not, here right now in the not podcast. snorry though, <laughs> not snorry, and that I think that's the problem. Yeah, it's like I think getting all the details down and trying to leave your bias out. Like, like I, I don't know if if in two thousand years people know what it is to look at this issue through the scope of a liberal or whatever. Yeah. Well, now probably like in two thousand years they'll figure it out because we have. All the information stored everywhere. In 2000 years, aliens will understand the liberals finally. (laughs) (laughs) I'd like to imagine, uh, because Snorri is um, like an 8th century historian, because you said he was a bad historian, but is this like a bad historian from Uh, like the 40s? Or No, 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 sorry, uh, around 1000 C. Okay, yeah, yeah. so so yeah, because I was going to say, I would like to just imagine him with his little press cap, like tapping on the thing. It's like, excuse me, Midgard Bugle, uh, you said the cow came before or after the giant. It's just like, it's like, no more questions. Thank you. Oh, <laughs> I don't know why I was, pict- I was picturing him as a Harfoot for some reason. He sounds like Nori uh, and we're kind of in this weird mystical world right now. Right. Yeah. I mean, yeah. So like the the dwarves of Tolkien are probably directly inspired by the dwarves of Norse mythology. So right. like, yeah, <laughs> exactly. Exactly yeah. why the dwarves are named things like Nori is because there was people like Snorri who existed. Right. Yeah. And but, they use uh, runes as well. Like the, the rune yeah. for thief is what is etched into Bilbo's door so that they can find yeah. them. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. And we'll, we'll talk a bit about runes a little later yeah. on. So specifically the eyebrows of Ymir, uh, which might seem a weird choice. But again, when you think about the fact that Midgard is civilization, the eyebrows are, are said to represent fences that mankind would build around their crops and settlements and, and drive back the wilderness, essentially. So okay. if you think of your little eyebrows like uh, a fence between your eyes and your forehead. Is my mustache <laughs> the lower half of the property then? <laughs> yeah it could it could be yeah okay. i am so glad these dang things are keeping my forehead out of my eyes <laughs> <laughs> you like the little hairpin the little clip just clip your hair to your eyebrows yeah. <laughs> um so it might seem grim that they that they killed the emir to steal his corpse and freaking make the world which kind of talking about your uh your old testament god being a, a badass dude who would do what needed to be done to to do what needed to be done, I guess. You could just end the sentence like God. That. Yeah. Uh, so it's important to know that in studying Norse myth, the giants are typically considered forces of chaos who is who are always trying to return things to chaos, where the gods are depicted as the ones trying to create order out of that chaos. Okay. So all, all the stories of like the, the uh, Aesir gods interacting with the giants, it is typically uh, the gods doing something to the giants in order to establish a sense of chaos, which makes sense why man would worship the Aesir. Even if the even if the giants were just doing as as they were, like early humans, not maybe not early humans, but like humans two thousand years ago would probably like pay a lot to just have a fucking semblance of of order and stability in their lives, right? So yeah. <laughs> like yeah. if they if yeah. they wanted to believe that somebody out there was fighting for that, they'd probably worship them, right? Yeah. Uh so the giants threaten to overturn the work the gods have done, and we know that they ultimately will succeed. When Ragnarok comes to Midgard, uh, it will descend into the sea along with the rest of creation, it said. 
Uh, and that's a that's a known truth in in Norse myth that Ragnarok will come eventually. Uh, all you can do, I guess, is uh, gather all your mightiest warriors in Valhalla to prepare for the day that it does. Right. Uh, are we going to talk about more of who Ragnarok or what Ragnarok is at all? No. That, uh, I mean, okay. it's it's the end of the world. The, like that's that's all it is. Okay. There's, there's not, not a too person. Much- no, it, it is. It's the it's the cataclysm. It's the apocalypse. It's it's just the end of the world. It comes after Fimble Winter, which is a a winter so long it will span three summers, and then Ragnarok begins. Uh, okay, I know. In like World of Warcraft, they so many people have names like Ragnar or Ragnarok or Ragnaros or like cl- all things are close to that. So I was trying to see if there's a through line there. So it's the end yeah, of the world. Yeah. yeah, it'd be like a guy named Apocalypse. Like the, you're okay. you're going to think that that's a badass dude, right? Well, he is a right. Superman bad guy. I think he fights Superman. Yeah. X, yeah. Uh, X, X, death, underscore, angel, underscore, 420, <laughs> XX, you know? Like, that's, yeah. that's is that a person or is that just the end of the world? It's like, no, XX, <laughs> underscore, death, underscore, angel is an event, actually. <laughs> <laughs> it's more of a feeling, really. Um, <laughs> so the, the story of God of War 2018, and I'm going to call it God of War, even though it's going to get confusing because there was already a game called God of War. Uh, the story of God of War 2018 starts with Kratos and his son Atreus creating a funeral pyre for the wife and mother of the family, whom Kratos calls Faye. Uh, we're not going to talk too much about Faye on this episode. I might have mentioned it at the top of this one, or maybe to you guys before we started recording. I could do a follow-up episode that would contain heavy spoilers for 2018, uh, but we're pretty much going to avoid all of them this episode. I, there's a game coming out uh, on Switch by the makers of Dauntless uh, called Faye Farm. And I just now I'm just picturing the, the gameplay is like you start your fresh game, your wife's dead, bury your wife. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> Nothing I mean, Animal Crossing Shit. starts with a tragedy. Yeah, yeah. That, that's there, I mean, yeah, that's literally the start of God of War 2018. Is yeah, yeah. here, here you go, a, your wife's dead. There's a whole internet like backstory to so, someone felt they played a Harvest Moon game that they couldn't figure out if it existed or not, and then the wife dies right at the beginning and they went on a quest on the internet to find it and all these people tried to help them and they found out it ended up being like a demo of a random thing from like 20 years ago i watched a, one of those like down the rabbit holes on it uh anyways but yeah burying your dead wife uh a lot like, of games like start that way god of war 2018 random mm-hmm. demo from 20 years ago the list goes on and on <laughs> <laughs> so they're in Midgard. They're not burying their wife. They're creating a pyre for her in the Viking tradition. Uh, they're in Midgard, the realm of man. Uh, uh, as after Kratos killed Zeus uh, and battles his inner demons in God of War 3, he has decided to retire and just live as a man, no longer as a yeah. as a god. He started uh, a hobby farm and got into craft beer. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, Grew a beard. So I, I mentioned it before, but the word Midgard literally translates to middle enclosure and is sometimes called sometimes called Inengard, which is literally inside the fence. Uh, it corresponds literally to our concept of civilization in the World Tree cosmology. It is surrounded on all sides by Jotunheim, sometimes called Utgard, meaning beyond the fence. And Jamie, you've probably mm-hmm. heard of Utgard before. Utgard Pinnacle. Mm-hmm. Or, uh, uh, her- a daily heroic Utgard Pinnacle looking for healer. Yeah. Yeah. And there's, yeah. <laughs> isn't there isn't there just friggin' giants that live there, huh? There's big guys, yeah. And there's yeah. Uh, a giant riding a blue dragon, a blue proto drake, which is yeah. a rare mount drop you can get out of there. It's quite nice. Yeah, yeah uh, Northrend is the 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 Viking 
yeah. the Viking realm in World of Warcraft. So. So Midgard, yeah. Middle Earth. I just made that connection. Uh, yep. Yeah. And I was thinking of it whenever you got, uh, we played a game on New Year's where everybody had uh, a thing on their head with um, with a, a name Celebrity of a person. Name, oh, you can't that. see it. Everyone else can see it. Ethan got Dumbledore and was so confused. I got He's like, Gandalf. am I a man? No, I wrote or Gandalf. Gandalf. Yeah. I got Gandalf, yeah, but it did take me way yeah. too long. Yeah. And it was like, are, are you a man? Well, sort of. You look like a man, but you're not really a man. Everyone yeah. at the table is arguing like, he is a man. No, he's not a man. Like, Am I from Earth? And yeah. uh, I, I tipped you off because I said, well, a section of the Earth. It just, it just occurred Earth. to me that uh, a great question for us if we're ever playing that game is, have we ever talked about them on the podcast? Would be yeah. a great, a great oh, like, yeah. way to narrow okay. things down. Yeah, but this uh, was like 2 a.m. on New Year's, so we weren't oh the best strategists at the time. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> no. no. Um, so... Uh, Jotunheim or Utgard is representative of the chaotic wilds found away from the civilized world of crops and fences. This is represented directly by how the continents are surrounded by the seas, uh, as well as like towns are surrounded by, you know, rocky, barren wastes and forests and stuff. And forests, yeah, uh, exactly. The seas in, uh, in Norse myth are home to three of the best known giants, Aegir and Ran, who are a married couple who kind of control the sea, it's it's said, um, as well as, of course, Jormungandr, the world serpent, who we'll talk about in a little bit. Yeah. Uh, above Midgard is Asgard, and below is, of course, Hell. In many depictions of Yggdrasil, you will see Asgard rooted in the branches, Midgard rooted in the trunk, and Helheim in the roots. Um, so literally kind of arranged, arranged like that. So, like I was saying, our story starts with Kratos' Kratos's wife being cremated. Immediately after you you go you uh, have the funeral, there's a knock at your door. A man is standing there who can feel no pain, and it seems he's got beef with Kratos, though he never mentions Kratos by name. He just says he's just kind of like you, you son of you, you old son of a gun. Uh, you have a very God of War ass fight, uh, which anybody who doesn't know what that means because you've never played a game, you like you're punching each other through boulders, like it's very anime, I guess you could say. It, it, it's yeah, it's Dragon Ball Z basically. Yeah, you're punching, you're like punching each other through mountains. You're like all over the place. You you end up like like causing this huge rift to appear in the earth just from the the blows that you guys are kind of dealing to each other. Um, this he's man, on the perk. He's on the perk. He doesn't feel nothing. I yeah, guess, like, he feels nothing, and, he, <laughs> no. and he's acting like it. Yeah. Keeps, I do want to like clarify the real. <laughs> uh, the reason we keep calling this guy Conor McGregor is because the character looks like the MMA fighter Conor McGregor. We just yeah. cut. We kind of yeah. opened with that and it did not explain that it's a different guy. Yeah, yeah. enters the room forearms first, kind of thing. You know, <laughs> yeah, short guy. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he throws a chair at Kratos's bus, and then the intro is the remainder of that lawsuit, and then, yeah. then we go from there. <laughs> Yeah, I hate when the Norse gods do cocaine in bars and beat up old men. Yeah. <laughs> Can you imagine instead of Kratos and Atreus, it's just the guy and Hasbula like that he owns? Yeah. <laughs> like, that's the... uh, so this man, uh, Conor McGregor, yeah. we, we eventually learn is Balder. Like once you've kind of had your, your fight with him, you don't kill him, but you throw him down a, a ravine and he can't die and he can't feel pain. So... Uh, you just kind of leave it at that. Is Baldur's Gate his eyebrows? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, it's the way he walks. Baldur's Gate is the unibrow when he plucks it. It's, it's open. Baldur's <laughs> Gate is Connor McGregor's eyebrows. Uh, okay. Got it. Got it. <laughs> All right. <laughs> um, 
So we'll come back to Balder on a later episode. If, if I do another episode that would contain spoilers, uh, I think we'll do more on him. Uh, Balder's the primary antagonist of the game. He hounds Kratos across the nine realms or six realms that you actually visit to try and defeat him or stop him. Though even after Kratos, you you beat the the final boss of the game, you eventually defeat Balder. Even after that, you don't immediately know why Balder was after you. It's basically just like the Kratos just is kind of treating it like oh the same old bullshit. Gods being gods, they got problems. We got problems with me, huh? Um, he is. He doesn't want to fight at all. Like he's straight up like left. Know. He's like, damn that that first trilogy and the psp versions were wild i i don't want my son growing up on the ps vita and so he moves to a different country right (laughs) yeah yeah exactly that's like exactly the game it's we haven't really said it but for anybody who's on the fence about playing it i think we're all avid fans uh it's it's phenomenal game great storytelling uh game of the year year and it's time and deserves it game game of the year this past year too in this in the steam awards so yeah, uh, one game of the year five years after it originally came out. <laughs> Elden Elden Bing won one of them. I forget which one. Elden, the Elden big Bing won the big yeah. the big game of yeah, the year. The big end. Yeah, I think. I wonder why there's no weird God French kids talking God of about War. God of War. Yeah, God of War 2018 won like best storytelling game. I think so. I yeah. guess not game of the year, but I wonder. Uh, yeah, I wonder if Hogwarts uh, single war players like seems where it's at, but there there's yeah. yeah I don't know. We'll see. Uh, I guarantee you, that's not winning any fucking awards, dude. <laughs> but, no. Uh, Dude, what what a pile of radiation for any fucking awards show to say they win. I yeah. guess if, it, if it's if it's by vote, then yeah, it'll it'll win some. Yeah, yeah. I don't want to talk about it. Uh, so <laughs> I, I was trying to brush by quickly yeah. too. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Kratos and Atreus set out into Midgard to climb the highest peak in the realm, creatively named the Mountain. Uh, along the way, they meet a woman who, at the time, they call simply the Witch of the Woods, but whom we'll learn is the Vanir god Freya. Uh, you learn it eventually in the game, not right away. We'll talk more about Freya probably again on another episode. Uh, for now, all we need to know is we're heading for the mountain to spread Faye's ashes, your wife Faye's ashes. And we'll do our uh, the current WoW classic raid there. You fight Freya. She's a oh, tough yeah? fight. Yep. Yep. She's a flowery girl. You go like the one nice place in the whole instance. You get there and there's flowers everywhere. Everything's like nice. The music's nice. And then you have to fight a, a big old god and it's it's <laughs> quite hard. Yeah. Uh so before they can get to the mountain though, uh father and son are going to come across the Lake of Nine, where Tyr's temple stands at its center, with a rotating bridge that points to the entry gates for seven of the eight other realms. Uh, I say seven of the eight because obviously you're in Midgard, so there's not going to be a gate to Midgard in Midgard, right? Um, That's true. It's just the door back out of. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, guess, I guess the door in and out of Tears Temple is kind of the gate. Yeah, um, <laughs> it's the eyebrows to the building, obviously. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, the father and son duo boat up to a massive statue in the lake, sunken up to its chest in water. Graffitied on the statue is the words, sacrifice your arms to the center of the water, awaken again the cradle of the world. Uh, this proves to be an easy task for Kratos, as his wife's former axe, his new his new weapon, he's given up the Blades of Chaos, uh, called the Leviathan Axe, can be recalled to Kratos at will. Do you think uh, there's like a bunch of people who walked away without their actual arms, like on the on their body, just really disappointed? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> A um, bunch of just arm bones floating at the bottom of the lake. <laughs> <laughs> uh, at this point, we know next to nothing of Kratos' wife, except that she had no arms. 
uh, and that her, her name was Faye. No, that's not true. Uh, we know that her name was Faye and that she once wielded the Leviathan axe that Kratos now uses in place of the chain, chained blades of his past. Um, what we know about the Leviathan axe is that it was forged in the game by the dwarves Brock and Sindri, whom Jamie mentioned a little bit earlier. Um, they are Brocker and Sindri in Norse myth, uh, who also gift Atreus with arrows made of mistletoe uh, at a certain point in the game. Uh, I remember there was like, what did my brother do to fuck up your axe? Let me fix yeah. it now. And then yeah, every upgrade is just them complaining about their, you don't, brother. you don't see them together until like the end of the game when they, they yeah. you kind of like through the, the story as it happens, you kind of like mend their relationship a little bit by getting them invested in, in your, your adventure. Um, but they, they uh, are kind of refusing to speak to each other and you, you realize it's because they created Mjolnir uh, and they kind of both hold each other responsible for the, the damage that Mjolnir, which is the hammer of Thor, the god of war, has has dealt. Like all the all the lives that it's taken, all the giants that it's killed, they kind of feel partially responsible for having created the the hammer in the first place, which is why they're not on speaking terms in the game. I remember from Bobby Ferry, I don't know if this is true or not, but he had a little carving of Mjolnir and he said that I remember him telling me it's much smaller than you think. Like the actual Mjolnir. It's like really not a very big at all. Yeah, so uh we'll talk about when they when they created a little bit but like okay so rocker and Sindri are dwarves who were challenged by the god loki to create items to match another group of dwarves had created uh the dwar- those dwarves were just called the sons of ivaldi uh so they had basically made like they made odin's spear uh they made a couple other things um so loki goes up to brocker and Sindri and says i will bet you my head that you can't make items as good as as those uh, among the items that Brocker and Sindri end up creating in response to this bet is a boar with a glowing golden mane, which they give to the god Freyr, a golden ring named Dropnir, which would multiply each night by nine, which they give to Odin, and a little no- old hammer known as Mjolnir, which would eventually be given to Odin's son and god of war, Thor. Um, I thought the ring was super cool because we were we talked about Tolkien already. I'm glad it came up kind of naturally, but uh, the fact that it's a ring which multiplies into nine uh, every uh, night, yeah. I thought was just so like so perfect because that's the number of rings that Sauron gave to men. The men, right? yeah, yeah. Uh, so so uh, I have a quote here: Odin laid upon the pyre the gold ring called Dropnir. This quality attended it that every ninth night there fell from it eight golden rings of equal weight. So he he gave them the infinite, or Brock gave Odin the infinite money cheat, essentially. Cool. <laughs> um. Dropnir is neat, but it's the weapon of destruction, which causes the brothers grief primarily. Uh, so I have an excerpt here from it's called the Fifth Lost Page, the for- Forging of Leviathan, which is promotional material uh, of additional lore, which was released with the the 2018 game. This is the, is it the a Fifth song? Lost Page. Uh, no, but I'll sing it. Uh, <laughs> <Please. laughs> uh, so uh, it, Thor Thor attacks three giants in Midgard with the mighty hammer Mjolnir, killing two while the third one fled. Brock and Sindri, the ones who forged the hammer 30 years prior, are in their Svartalfheim workshop, not having started the fires of their forge for a long time. Sindri voices his horror at the suffering they caused, while Brock is annoyed at Sindri's constant yapping and says, what's done is done. Sindri argues that everyone, not just the giants, suffer at the hands of their weapon, while Brock retorts that Sindri was prideful for appeasing Odin by making the lightning hammer for Thor. Sindri claims that since they both made it, that it is their responsibility to undo the mistake they made. They then commence a plan to create a weapon to counter Mjolnir. 
15 days straight of manual labor pass as a bloated black spider whose kin Brock had crushed days before crawls up Brock's leg, reminding of reminding him of when a malicious gadfly bit him three times during Mjolnir's creation, causing the dwarves to deform the handle and bites him on the thigh, spreading a chill throughout his body until it reaches his heart, killing him as Sindri catches him. So that's half the quote uh, or half the excerpt, I guess, of the fifth lost page. I'll, I'll read the second half in a sec, but there's a bit to unpack here. So the why I wanted to jump into this when you were talking about Mjolnir being too small, the actual Norse story of Mjolnir's creation. Uh, again, Loki challenged these dwarves to make these gifts and he bet his own head that that they couldn't do it, essentially. So when they make the uh, when they're forging the golden boar for Freyr, there's like a, a gadfly that like bites him on the on the side. When they're making the golden ring, there's a gadfly that bites the same gadfly bites him on the hand. Uh, and when he's making Mjolnir, the gadfly bites him on the eye and it causes him to stop the bellows for a moment, which causes the hammer to come out too small. The handle is too short. So mm. Thor, when he wields the hammer, he needs a special glove to actually hold the hammer. <laughs> he, can, he can't okay. just pick it up, which I think I, I'm going to compare it to Marvel Thor because I think that is probably the the biggest cultural touchstone that most people have to Thor and maybe Norse mythology on the whole. Uh, where like this this sense of him only the worthy can pick it up uh, the actual north myth is just like you gotta have the glove dude you got That's you got the glove you know mm-hmm. what i mean sunder um, the the tools in morrowind are that way you need wraith guard which is the glove uh, or else holding the weapons will kill you so that came yeah. back in there as well I, I just like the logistics of trying to hold a weapon the the, the, the handle's too short and a glove like it doesn't quite seem right. Like, is it a glove with just like a little shallow hole? On no, the top? it's a, the glove just like, has like a Lego man hand on the end of it. it yeah, I wish I wish my hammer was big enough to hit the back of the hand, but you know, it's more about the motion <laughs> of the ocean. <laughs> um. So yeah, I, I think it's it's really interesting that the original myth had this gadfly that was biting um, um, Brock, and I think if we do. If I do a spoiler-heavy episode, which if you guys want to hear it, let me know. If I do a spoiler-heavy episode, we'll we'll come back to this. So put a put a pen in it, everybody. But the fact that a uh, spider now shows up to uh, to bite Brock is relevant because in the uh, original uh, Norse myth, it's believed that Loki is the gadfly since he didn't want to lose his head. Uh, uh... Probably turned into a gadfly to distract him and make the gifts worse. Even <laughs> then, all the gifts are, are said to be greater. And Loki, uh, you know, god of tricksters, old, old Lokester over here, says, oh, well, I'm not going to cut my head off because that would damage my neck, which wasn't part of the deal. So yeah. cl- classic little brother uh, excuses. Yeah. You didn't read the fine runes at the bottom of the tablet. <laughs> yeah, we can't get rid of uh, mosquitoes because it'll ruin the whole ecosystem and it'll make our gods lose their heads too, right? So <laughs> we gotta, they all serve their purpose. You just got to get a bat house. Yeah, exactly. True. Uh, okay, I got I got the second half of the quote here. So so Brock dies. The the spider bites him. Uh, the poison gets to his heart. Brock dies. Sindri then drags Brock's now ashen blue body to the realm of Alfheim, wherein he must save Brock's soul from the Lake of Souls. Sindri takes the glove from Brock's hand and goes into the lake, swimming deeper until he comes across his brother's soul, only to be grabbed by an undead being. Sindri is able to free himself and grabs the soul with his gloved hand and heads back to the surface. After hacking up black liquid, he became afflicted with phantom itches until he passed out. Awakening, he puts his bare hand on Brock's chest, feeling a faint pulse, after which he swears never to tell Brock what happened. 
Brock awoke in his bed, noticing Sindri had gained a slight twitch in his face. Two weeks pass and their power is finished. An axe, which Sindri gives the finishing touch of a potent magical power unmatched in any realm. Brock asks what they should call it. Sindri responds that the weapon will be unmatched in an honorable warrior's hand and thus should be named after a being unmatched. They decide on the serpent who dwells in Midgard and thus the great weapon was named Leviathan. Cool. Okay. So again, a few things to unpack there. Uh, Brock, when you meet him in the game, they're both dwarves. Brock is blue and it's it's never never touched on at all or explained <laughs> why he's blue. No, it is not. Yeah. Uh, and I, I, I feel like beaten. I... He was beating he, Brock and Brulu. Brock and Bruce. I I feel like I talk about this a lot, but this is like very uh, exploratory storytelling, which we kind of laud on this this show. And and to go back to uh, another recommendation of this game, I think it does this kind of storytelling so good that it is just slowly fed to you. I think it's better than say uh, the uh, Souls games, which are like you have to pick up a random obscure item and then like piece together everything yourself. This is like obvious and inherent and just feels like it makes sense when it clicks that you never you might question why he was blue. Uh, and like throughout the game, you might ask yourself, like, why was he blue? And I, I was telling this story to my wife as I was writing the episode. And she, she absolutely was like, yeah, I, I wondered why he was blue, but I guess he was just different or whatever. But I love that there's this like mythological fable behind yeah. why Brock the dwarf had turned blue. Right. Yeah. And, yeah, yeah. and not touched cool. on and, in the game, but just, just explain. Yeah. Yeah. And Sindri's twitchy too. He's like a germaphobe. Yeah. He's always wearing his gloves. My exactly. favorite, he's a germaphobe. Yeah. My favorite early, uh, like scene in that game is where he's just like, Oh, welcome back guys. He like throws an apple to Kratos who just holds up his ax. It just gets cut in half and lands on the floor. He's just like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's cool. I remember being so excited to see those guys every time you'd see them because you're like, oh, fuck, it's it's weapon upgrade time, baby. Yeah, and Silver, yeah. baby, let's go. Yeah, and they had, like, such good uh, dialogue and stuff, too. So Yeah. Yeah, yeah uh, Brock, Brock is the surly one. He's the much more yeah. guy you'd think of having a forge. He's very like, hey, Kratos, how you doing? Look at this. Yeah, blah, 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 blah. yeah he like... He refuses to work in, in God of War. They say he refuses to work on anything but weapons, which not exactly true to the North Smith, but um, yeah, just to like, the store that he has because he yeah. built your armor as well. <laughs> he also builds like resurrection stones and stuff. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> you can buy health potions from him or whatever. Yeah. Fuck it. Uh, so this this axe, eventually they, the uh, Sindri gives it to Faye. Uh, Kratos' wife, who then gives it to Kratos. And now he's in the middle of this lake where it says, cast your arms into the into the lake. Um, so Kratos does, he, he takes his ax, he knows he can recall it. So he just throws it into the, into the lake. Um, this nearly mortal labor of Brock, he, well, actually mortal labor. Like he actually died to make this thing. And Kratos is like, yeah, I'll just tuck it into the lake. No problem. <laughs> uh, and right. it, refu- it refuses to return for a few moments, but Ooh. deep, deep beneath the water surface, there begins a rumbling, but more on that after the break. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. 
absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas, big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. From deep beneath the Lake of Nine, we hear a rumbling as the Leviathan Axe whirls out of the water back into Kratos' hand. Then there's a crest of wave as the scaled body of the world serpent, its body as tall as the distant mountains on the horizon, slithers to life. Casting the axe into the waters has awakened Jormungandr, largest of the giants who spans the entire world. Um, I think for me, and I'm going to guess for a lot of people, this is one of the coolest moments in the entire game. Uh, and I don't think it's a spoiler to say any, any of this. Seeing the... I think the entire God of War game was always very good at establishing this unbelievably grandiose sense of scale. Like in, in God of War 3, you're, like the game starts, you're climbing the Titan Gaia's body. It's the word go, though. The first mission in God of War, the OG God of War, you are on like a bunch of like Greek battleships and you fight the Hydra and Kratos on your four by three, you know, CRT TV on your PS2 is like a half inch tall. Right. So the the games always start like this. Yeah, exactly. And it's like it's something that they do so well, but. I, I really don't know if any video game moment has done it as well as this moment in God of War. Like this, yeah. this serpent rising out of the water is unbelievable. You know what I'm yeah. doing when I do that? Just poking the guy in the eyes. Spartan rage. Oh yeah, he knows it. Well, Spartan rage, but it is. It's also uh, Poseidon's eyes popping him yeah. out. Remember when he made? They made you press the sticks, and then you actually gouge his eyes with your thumbs in the game. It was just <laughs> That's like, pretty oh, great, man. Yeah. Um. So Jormungandr essentially like slithers out of the water, causes like the entire water level to drop, which is like a progression marker in the game is like how much have you woken up the big snake because he makes the water drop and like reveals more areas of map, which is such a cool, cool, cool way of doing it. Right. And you see the close up snake and then like kilometers in the distance, the the back of it. The body in the back. Do you think Jormungandr would be a good weatherman? I don't know why that just occurred to me. He's like in all places at all times, right? So he's just in in my knee. The weather is slightly, slightly (laughs) cold with a slight drizzle. That's something a stupid fucking thought. I'm sorry. It's just like rips bong. Would a snake be a good weatherman? (laughs) (laughs) I'm here everywhere. That's how they, they do. Um, a bunch of countries at the exact same time every day release balloons. And if you are even a second late or a second early, there's fines. But everybody just releases bo- balloons at the same time to help map out this weather stuff. I, I didn't know that. Oh, yeah. which is really I didn't know that either. Huh. Yeah. <laughs> balloons with a snake tied to it, right? That's a that's a yeah. shot. We just well, shot down a Chinese snake balloon recently. Adding <laughs> <laughs> up these motherfucking snakes. Adding <laughs> <laughs> these motherfucking balloons. <laughs> That really good. Uh, uh, could could Odin make a balloon so big it lifted the world serpent? Uh, <laughs> Jormungandr, literally great beast, but sometimes also called the Midgard serpent, is described in Norse myth as a snake or dragon who lives in the oceans surrounding Midgard. Jormungandr's greatest enemy is Thor. It is said that the two of them will kill each other at Ragnarok, uh, okay. for which. They don't like each other because they, they don't like each other because uh, fate and prophecy has said they're going to kill each other eventually. And like that's lightning as good as... beats water, water, lightning beats water in Pokemon. Yeah, you're right. You okay. are right. 
There's a bunch of fucking snakes in Sweden too, which I did not expect. I just googled snakes in Sweden. It's like where were they got the, where would they get this idea? These ice these huh. ice peasants, uh, tons. Never mind. There's like rat uh, snakes, water snakes, garter snake. Obviously, they live everywhere. They live here and they freeze over the winter. Maybe. There's, There's a post called the smooth snake. <laughs> that sounds great. <laughs> smooth There's brain a, snake. Post our, on Reddit. Our new band today. name. Smooth brain smooth snake. Brain snake. <laughs> <laughs> There's a post I read it today about uh, the war in Vietnam and all the tunnels that the Vietnamese would build and the different types of traps they would leave. And one of them is you tie a snake to the top of the tunnel, um, which the Americans would usually shoot at. So you'd hear down down the tunnel, okay, Americans are shooting. But if you don't shoot the snakes, you just miss them. They'll like bite your back and neck as you go by, and then you die. Oh, as <laughs> yeah, and I, I forget what they called it—like a sentry snake or something like that. Yeah, yeah. which is snake just... in snake in hole. Yeah, I, it's, I didn't realize how deep those uh, Vietnam uh, Vietnamese tunnels like went. The Vietnam, like, yeah, it's crazy. They had they it, had them they, they had, like, all on, map, mapped out. Yeah, they lived under there. They had they had cinemas. They had uh, like to keep the morale up. They a guy would ride on a bicycle which would power a cinema which would be like we're winning the war don't worry yeah <laughs> sleep in your that's, your pit and you'll be okay tomorrow that's pretty great. great yeah and they did win yeah actually turns out turns out the uh, the the snakes defeated the u.s government yeah. <laughs> <laughs> i wouldn't want to fight in that shit man i, I wouldn't want to fight in any war but uh, looking at that shit today was so terrifying i would take someone somewhere in cold weather way over vietnam any day of the week I could deal with being cold much more than underground tunnels. I could not yeah. do underground yeah. tunnels. Much I wouldn't. I wouldn't be so cool living in, in underground tunnels. No. Um. Anyway, Jormungandr's awake. Uh, Kratos woke him up. Uh, it yells at Kratos and Atreus before it moves to kind of just be a backdrop in the hub world, except for uh the few times that you got to kind of summon it in like cutscenes, basically. Yeah, exactly. Uh, in cutscenes, and then you climb into its belly at some point. Because yes. it wouldn't be a God of War game without climbing to the the belly of a giant beast. Yeah, yeah. It is. It, it, there's a lot of vor in this. In this, <laughs> it happens in at least the first third and again the Peter, fourth. Peter, Peter, we've shielded enough. You could stop shilling it. I mean, of course. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> if you say the title of the game fast enough, God of War. God of War. I know. Yeah, yeah. I, I, God of War. I deliberately avoided that. I felt that on my tongue, and I was like, no, yeah. no. <laughs> I was expecting the the War Boys intro or something like that. Yeah. Uh, uh, had to thank the listeners. <laughs> they're 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 mobilized for us. Got to thank. Yeah. Got to keep morale up. We're winning yeah. the war. Yeah, exactly. We're winning we'll the war it. on the Joe Rogan experience. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Go to Joe Rogan Studio and tie snakes to the ceiling, guys. That's what you need to yeah. do. <laughs> <laughs> then get back and, into our hole. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. True, true altruism like, here. You got like one of our patrons on a bike, just like <laughs> like like a stereo in the corner that's just playing our podcast, cranking the war with him. <laughs> Uh, so with that taken care of the water level dropped we got access to some new zones with a little help from the witch Freya the pair uh, Kratos and Atreus make it to the mountain but are presented with some bad news the mountain Uh may may be the tallest peak in all of Midgard but it's not the tallest in all the realms which is where Faye had asked them to spread her ashes there's thankfully a man atop the mountain uh, there to tell them that the tallest peak is actually in Jotunheim and the only gate to Jotunheim in all the realms uh, was placed here on the mountain, but locked by Odin in a, in an attempt to, or locked by the giants, uh, I think actually is what it was, but locked by them in an attempt to keep Odin out because Odin wants to kill them all because he thinks that that will prevent Ragnarok. 
Yeah. This is like that um, rom-com where that the guy dies and leaves a bunch of notes for his wife or whatever. Uh, it, 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 My name is Earl. No, you guys don't know that <laughs> one? Okay, right. Anyway. <laughs> it's, it's, what a fun adventure, right? The mom dies and like, go to the tallest. No, it's not that one. Uh, Keep going <laughs> to the next one. It's just like a, sending a, a road trip for the boy is and dad the and the boy. time travel yeah. one? The lake house? The notebook. No, I don't think so. Maybe uh, I have it wrong. Maybe it was uh, the woman who died and the man ha- is reading all the notes. But then at the end of the movie, you get to the end and there's like a final thing where like, I planned this all so you can find love. I didn't want you to be alone after I died. Anyways, someone will yeah. tell us. Hakuna Matata, man. And that's yeah. how, spoilers, that is how God of War ends. It's crazy. Yeah. <laughs> finally decides to love his son. Yeah. yeah, exactly. I mean, it, it straight up is what you're you're describing, Jimmy. I don't know the movie, but it is like, it's it clearly seems to be part of your wife's wishes that you guys spend time together and she kind of sends you on a wild goose chase to kind of get there my dad uh, says whenever he goes all my brothers uh, me and my my brothers got to go to lake placid so maybe i'm gonna get to lake placid and then there's alligator yeah yeah yeah, but there's a different thing with alligators i gotta go to or something yeah Yeah, it's this isn't the most placid lake in all the realms you're thinking (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> you're, th- you're thinking of lake rough waters um, <laughs> so they get to the mountain there's this man uh who happens to be fused with a tree who tells them that it, it's actually in jotunheim this man's name is mimir whose name lit whose name literally means the remember uh he's quite possibly the wisest being in all of creation and is a frequent counselor to the gods he's uh, fantastic as well yeah it's unknown exactly what he was in Norse myth, whether he was an Aesir, so a god of Asgard, or a giant, uh, but it's probably one of those two, which he is not in the game. In the game, he is a fey creature who is said to have come from the south who is fused, who was fused to a tree by an angry Odin. And I thought this was interesting when I played the game, and this is just like the... Um, this also comes from one of the Lost Pages, where it's said that he's this fey creature who wandered up from the south. But he's a satyr when you see him on the game. Like he has horns and he has goat legs. And I thought it was so interesting because satyrs are Greek creatures. Oh, that's which, true. Which I instantly took to why Kratos kind of took a liking to him and, and ends up freeing him from the tree by cutting his head off uh, yeah. is because he kind of reminds him of home in some way. Even if I don't know if Kratos ever fought a satyr per se, but. Kratos, but not, not the first time bringing a head around with him for, for nope. utility. No, no. Yeah. He- Heliod, God of the Sun, was your lantern in God of War 3. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, in the game, he's, he's fused to the tree. Uh, in Norse myth, he was probably an Aesir god or a giant. Uh, in the game, Mimir talks of how Odin took an eye from him, which, and I said we were going to talk about Odin a little bit here and how they did things, di- like the, the game did things differently. I think this is the the biggest divergence I saw in the game uh, of from from Norse myth is is Mimir and Odin and kind of their di- like a dichotomy there. Um, the reason why I think that they made Odin take the the eye from from Mimir in the games and why they make Odin typically a bad guy is because again I, I haven't I haven't read a single article about Ragnarok I haven't seen any gameplay I have no idea what it's about I'm Same. gonna I'm gonna assume that they're aiming for a trilogy like the original trilogy. And I'm going to guess your boy, the ghost of Sparta is going to kill Odin as the big bad at the end of the third game. That's just my guess. I'm going to guess like it was Baldur in the first one. Then it's going to be Thor and Ragnarok. And then I'm going to guess there's going to be a third one and it's going to be Odin at the end of that one. So I, I think they do, uh, they do a lot of work painting Odin as a bad guy because they're setting him up to be a villain in the third games. Whereas in Norse myth, 
He's he was a uh, a mixed figure, but typically Thor is like the the real nasty god of war, whereas Odin is a god of war, but he's like the strategy and tactician of war. You know, uh, his his name means something along the lines of like seeker of ecstasy or something like that. Uh, where he's he's just a guy who kind of goes around and wants to learn everything. Okay. Um, yeah, he's like uh, the all knowing, the all father or whatever. So yeah, yeah, he, he's yeah. the all father. I, I kind of said it before, like. Uh, Balder seems to be uh, a parallel to um, to Jesus. Um, in uh, Daniel McCoy, one of the sources that I, I was reading, um, mentions how uh, in monotheistic religion, God is all powerful. He's all knowing. He's uh, omnipresent and he's omnip- omnipotent. Right? Like he knows all. He sees all. He is everywhere all the time. That's n- that's never true in polytheistic religions. Like every every character can on- is only in so many places at once. They don't know everything. Their knowledge isn't perfect and all that. Odin's quest seems to be to become like a singular god. And again, he's kind of the father of Baldur, who's this who is this Jesus figure as the son of Odin because he he ends up Baldur ends up dying uh, and and kind of being a sacrifice and uh, we'll talk about Baldur on a, on the next Odin episode I think. He's on a how- journey from impotence to omnipotence, right? Exactly, yeah. exactly. <laughs> yeah, uh, drives it everything. <laughs> Yeah, so so in the games, uh, in the game, I should say, Odin took Mimir's eye, which was a gift from the giants. He says the site of the the site of prophecy was a gift from the giants, is what Mimir says in the game. Uh, in the myth, Odin is the one who is one eyed, as he once sacrificed his eye to Mimir in exchange for a drink at the sage's well, which is called Mimisbrunir, which is likely the well of Erd found at the very base of Yggdrasil. So again. This idea that that Mimir was this like mortal fey creature or whatever is is a divergence, and he was more likely a giant or a god who lived at the base of Yggdrasil and had this well which like contained all knowledge of the world essentially, and just taking a drink of it would give you like immense knowledge. And Odin sacrifices his own eye to Mimir, which I thought was like this lovely like like yeah they diverged to again I think set Odin up as the bad guy of the games but they did it in a way that has like symmetry where it's like oh yeah. you know he's, they say he, he took Mimir's eye but he actually sacrificed his eye so they really kind of like lean into this like symbolism of it Odin was always depicted as having an eye patch though like in Marvel in yeah he's like, he sacri- Odin sacrifices his yeah, eye yeah, yeah, in, yeah, yeah, in yeah, the yeah. game they say Mimir mm. he took Mimir's eye to drink and the there's, of there's more Mimir has three eyes in, in it, with the symmetry too oh. it's with the symmetry, <laughs> Odin giving up his eye to be able to see more is like kind of like weirdly yeah. ironic too. And yeah, uh, yeah, exactly. You think they'd get like like do opposite eyes so that they their eye patches would be on opposite sides when they had to like hug. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, in the Norse myth, Mimir has three eyes. Like I was saying, it's just it's right, just right, Odin's right. got one. Just three uh, eye patches. So in the game, like I like I said before, Mimir has been fused with a tree atop the mountain by Odin until Kratos frees him by severing his head which the god of war and his son then bring to Freya to revive. Again, this beautiful like parallelism. In the myth, Mimir was beheaded by the Vanir. Uh, you'll recall Freya was a Vanir. It's not explicitly stated that it was Freya who beheaded him. But during the Aesir-Vanir War, Mimir was beheaded by the Vanir. So the, the Freya faction, okay. who ends up reviving him in the actual myth, uh, are the ones who behead him. Uh, it was none other than Odin in the myth who, upon seeing the severed head of the sage, embalms it with herbs and some magical chanting to preserve it, and it's Odin who continues to consult the severed head for advice. 
not this oh. outsider Kratos of the Pantheon. Okay, cool. I just remembered that whole scene where you have that guy's head and you have to get it to a place in time or else he's going to die, right? Oh, yeah, you take, you take it to Freya in the woods and she yeah. magically enchants it and revives it. And throughout the game, Mimir is a character who's talking to you as a severed head whom you keep yeah. on your belt. Uh, and it's, it's not Odin who cut his head off, but in a lot of ways you can kind of consider it Odin who cut his head off. Because he fused him to a tree and kind of forced Kratos to cut his head off for him to continue to live, right? So, again, all all of this, just a credit to the writing team where they they clearly had to make a choice to Mm -hmm. paint Odin as a bad guy. And they they do it so beautifully in the storytelling. Like, the writers of this game did such a good job of keeping, like, the same symbolism from from the myth and just kind of, like, tweaking it or or mirroring it in a way that, that still makes it, like, compelling, I guess. Yeah, it's super cool. And then Q, anytime you you hop in a boat and have done three paddles off of shore, uh, that that guy on your waist is going to tell you a story, yeah. Or or you're going to say boy and tell him a story, and, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. For anybody who hasn't played, is you carry the sever head of Mimir around like a canteen, basically. He's just like hooked mm-hmm. onto your belt. He is a <laughs> very he's a very good. Um, drink from his mouth like what do you mean oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you, you know open mouth kissed him and, you know yeah, you got the font of knowledge right you just take the cork yeah. out of his mouth and open mouth kiss him <laughs> yeah and you know when you're you know you're on the water you're you're you know paddling across there's no bathrooms nearby you gotta you gotta go it's a long long haul boat in here it's gonna yeah. pop one in the canteen you know? uh, any any port in a storm that's what that means right <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh don't worry you can just piss in my mouth brother he's got got like he's talking and you can start to hear gargling because it's building up there was one day when odin pissed in my mouth i remember it (laughs) (laughs) um yeah he he does he just kind of tells you stories and he tells you a lot of the stories of just north norse mythology one of the stories he tells you during the games uh which is is mirrored in the myth is the time odin hanged himself from the branches of yggdrasil for nine days uh, so in the prose Edda, a powerful, powerful group of beings known as the Norns carved indecipherable runes into the world tree. The Norns are they're, they're the sisters of fate. They're maidens who are feared as some of the most powerful entities in the cosmos, more powerful than even the gods as they control the fates. So just like the fates in uh, Greek mythology, uh, who I think Kratos kills in one of the games, right? He fights the fates, doesn't he? Uh, yeah, he, he fights. I think he kills all of them. Uh, but I know there's a boss fight with the big fat one that's like chained in place. It's like uh, it's like Shadow of the Colossus. Like she is a level and a boss. Okay, I think it's so long I can't remember. I I've only played the third one and I have vague memories of it, but it's also been forever. I so played one and two and then four, which we're currently talking about. Yeah. I in university played one, two, and three in a single setting. Sitting one, two, and three. We started in the and morning a, on one in a single setting, presumably. Yeah, in a single yeah. setting in, in one buddy's <laughs> place. Yeah. And we just didn't stop till we finished, and we were up very, very, very late. That would take a while. Yeah. Um. So there are there are parallels in uh, Norse mythology. So I would guess in Ragnarok, or if there would be a third game. Again, no idea how the second one ends or or anything like that. But if they are planning on a trilogy, just because again, nice symbolism and also marketing sense. Um. Hmm. Maybe we'll see them as a boss again, the Fates again, just meddling creatures i'd like but different ones right yeah uh so it seems like carving runes into the world tree is one of the more common ways that the norns control fate odin being rather obsessed with knowing all things decides that he needs to know exactly what those runes say so i have um a translation from daniel mccoy of something called the uh, a poem called or um 
an excerpt called the Havamal. Since the runes' native home is in the well of Erd with the Norns, and since the runes do not reveal themselves to any but those who prove themselves worthy of such fearful insights and abilities, Odin hung himself from a branch of Yggdrasil, pierced himself with a spear, and peered downward into the shadowy waters below. He forbade any, any of the other gods to grant him the slightest aid, not even a sip of water. And he stared downward and stared downward and called to the runes. He survived in this state, teetering on the precipice that separates the living from the dead, for no less than nine days and nights. At the end of the ninth night, he at last perceived shapes in the depths, the runes. They had accepted his sacrifice and shown themselves to him, revealing to him not only their forms, but also the secrets that lie within them. Having fixed this knowledge in his formidable memory, Odin ended his ordeal with a scream of exultation. This guy takes a lot of leaps of faith for knowledge. (laughs) (laughs) I give up an eye. I'm not sure what I'm getting in return. Just literally like almost kill myself for nine days and they... Then, then it's okay. All right. Yeah. Okay. I can my, my hooked on phonics thing did suggest I kill myself to learn to read. So, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and the, and um, the runes are just like that S that you would put into your notebooks oh, yeah, or the whatever. S that we all drew in eighth grade. Yeah. yeah. It's like, oh, well, the world snake knows how to read it. It's all S's. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so in the game, when when Mimir tells you the story, this one stood out to me. I, I remember where I was. I was walking along the branches of Yggdrasil, which is like the fast travel loading screen, essentially. Uh, when he told me the story in the game, I, I just remember oh, yeah, it clearly. Yeah. Um, in in the actual uh, in, in the game, they say he did it just to experience what it was like to be a dead man. They don't actually mention the runes of the Norns. Um, Knowing what the in the in the myth, knowing what the runes were and how to use them plays a huge part in Odin becoming as prominent a figure as he was. This wasn't just a vanity project. His knowledge of the runes allows him to heal almost any wound, bind his enemies or render their weapons worthless to free himself from constraints, to put out fires, to expose and banish witches or wizards or practitioners of dark magic, to wake the dead and to basically do whatever he wants. So like a lot of Odin's power as the all father seems to come stem directly from this knowledge of the runes and his ability to essentially manipulate fate, right? Well, um, really cool. Yeah. So uh, I mentioned before why I think Odin, uh, they made Odin more of an antagonist since I, I think he's going to eventually end up uh, as a villain. They That's translated the- it into two health bars. It's just like, yeah, he's all known, <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um. That's not the only thing that's changed because the the writers of the of the game actually make it canon that the story of the game diverges from the myth. Uh, so at the end of the game, you defeat the villain Balder. After doing so, you manage to get to Jotunheim to spread face ashes. On returning to Midgard with Atreus, however, you realize the snows of Fimblevinter are falling, which means Ragnarok is approaching. Mimir mentions that it's much too soon for Fimblevinter to be to be there already, uh, even if it's going to come in three summers, and remarks that you being here must have changed something about fate. Meaning okay. Kratos is canonically changing the myth that that the writers would know that we know from That's Norse mythology. Just Kratos being there is kind of changing it. Sprinkle that in. There's some mentions of time travel. Uh, there's a lot of mentions of, like prophecy and seeing the future, like when Mimir first speaks with Jormungandr in your company. The world serpent remarks to him how Atreus seems familiar, even though they have never really met, except for that the first time when he just yelled in your face. Right. Um, <laughs> Kratos goes to Norse mythology to kiss his mom and watch his family disappear on this on the postcard. <laughs> 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 
Yeah. Kratos on stage playing Johnny Be Good in front of all the Norse gods and yeah. <laughs> slowly fading out of existence. Yeah. Exactly. A bit too early for that. <laughs> all the Norse gods horrified by an electric guitar solo. Yeah. yeah. And um, then, wait, what was the almanac we were talking about the other week? Someone stole the weather almanac and then it just yeah. didn't work. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's true. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, looks like we have. Uh, oh boy, this this farmer's almanac is so weird. It says snow for the next three summers. That can't be right. <laughs> um, we'll we'll talk a bit more about that kind of changing of the canon uh, on the next episode that I do on on God of War Norse lore because uh, it's going to involve some spoilies. So uh, it's a great no- way to explain your. Kratos at this point is mythology Forrest Gump, which he was always yeah. supposed to be. Yeah. And the fact that he's like in there killing people, right, is yeah. like it's a really good way to diverge. It's like, no, 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 Forrest Gump changed the timeline sort of thing. And he always was supposed to. I remember there was an interview I heard with David Jaffe, who like created the God of War, was a creative director of the original games, at least, where he was like, God of War 3 was supposed to end with the wise men going, like following the, the, the star, basically. Okay, yeah. It's like, that's the <laughs> next one that yeah. they're, they're going to do. Of course, the game does not end that way. But I mean, all those games still whip ass, even the old ones. I played like in the oh, last yeah, few, few years, God of War 2 and 3. And yeah, it was still they're, really good. They're, they're really cool. They... The combat's great. The, they have some really cool puzzles. I Something I kept thinking when I was playing the game, why I liked God of War 4 2018 so much, so, so much, and it just kept striking me, is boy, does it feel like a video game. Yeah, you it mentioned fe- that, I think, on a bonus audio, yeah. right? Yeah, Last it, week's feels, on? it yeah. feels, I guess, for the for the normies out there, for the non-patron subscribers, yeah. this is something yeah. I talked about during the bonus last week. But man, does it ever just feel like you're playing a video game 15 years ago? You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, it, there's like, you're solving puzzles, there's challenges, there's time trials, there's, you know, the, the maze section, there's like, all this like, just classic video game stuff, which I think feels so good. Plus, like, all tied together into like a super elegant combat system a yeah. beautiful world RPG uh, great story, great story. Yeah. uh Fantastic. the weapons are cool as hell i just remember that you do the lock on with the the axe so it hits yeah. the ding 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 all like yeah the, there's different yeah. combo you can, you can unlock different combos you can un- you can like get different runic attacks to change like what your specials are right. um, yeah it's very very video game feely um that's been uh, our episode uh, or episode. I, it can be part one. We can just leave it here if, if nobody wants to hear the spoilies for uh, some of the other bits of lore. Uh, but this is pre-Ragnarok. Sources for this episode include, uh, like I said, the Poetic and Prosetta. And a huge portion of my research was done on Daniel McCoy's site, norse-mythology.org, as well as in his book, The Viking Spirit. I'm down for more. Would the spoilers include Ragnarok or it only up no. to? No, I wouldn't, I wouldn't. Well, I mean, okay, so... The only way spoilers would include Ragnarok is if it completely parallels the myth. Like some of what we talked about today might spoil Ragnarok in the sense that like if they follow the myth, like, okay, okay, that, okay. that's what would happen. But I'm only going to be reading the myth. I'm not going to be looking at the game at all for Ragnarok. I'm going to be talking more about uh, God of War 1, particularly some of the more of the characters. So Baldur, Freya okay. um, and some of the other people. Uh, yeah, some of the other gods. You're blackout for Ragnarok right now. Eh? Same. I, yeah. I'm like... I'm pr- I'm pretty keyed out of like new games. I- I'm yeah, like, well, I- yeah, that's also fair. I just bought God of War 2018. I'm f- I'm my catalog is like five years back basically, and I I was just <laughs> talking with this about somebody. I'm like really happy with it. I only catch games on sale. I'm never in a rush to complete a game because I'm like, oh, this new game's coming out. I'd never buy I never buy games. 
their release year. The only exception I'm going to make is, is Silk Song when it comes out. That's like the only game I'm going to buy yeah. the same year. Indie, when it comes out. Yeah, indie dev, that's fine. Yeah, it's, that's, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah that's my I, rule I, as well. Like, buy something from a small team of five people, and it's just like, yeah. otherwise, it's like, hope it hits Game Pass. I just yeah. don't yeah. buy things anymore. It's, right? it's, it's not even. I bought. Yeah. A game was like a hundred and ten dollars by the end of tax and everything because I bought the wizard game. Fuck, fuck J.K. Rowling, by the way. <laughs> but yeah, anyways. But anyways, it's so so much. But I also did see a thing from uh, like the mid nineties, mid to late nineties for N sixty four games and stuff in Canada, and they were like sixty bucks for a game back then, and now it's eighty. And I, I feel yeah. like like game prices, games have always been more expensive. I think. And yeah. It, yeah. Yeah. yeah I, I mean, know. it's not like getting worse. But. It's not a cost thing for me. It's not even big, big titles for me. It's just like my backlog's huge. I'm like, why do I, why do I need yeah. to buy, like, why do I need to grab this game right now? I got like six other games that I really, really, really want to play. And like, yeah. it's got me in a spot that I'm like, man, I can boot up Dragon Age Inquisition. I could be like, nah, this is, this is not for me. And I could just like put it down and move on to another game that I already yeah. have in my library. I don't have to worry yeah. about buying something. Like just wait for shit to go on sale. Like, I don't know. Uh, yeah. And I, I don't have that much time to game anymore. So it's really just like, yeah, I play a bit here and there and, you know, like get in what I can and just kind of go at my own pace. It's relaxing. Some games you can always come back to. I feel like Binding of Isaac is really growing to be one of those games to me that I'm just going to keep perma installed and I'm always yeah. going to come back to. It's so fun. And that's from 2011. And yeah, here we are. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, anyway, that's been our, our pre-Ragnarok. Uh, if you guys like the show, do get in touch. Let us know. There's a, a link to our Discord in the uh, description of this episode. Peter, is there anything you wanted to talk about? Uh, at Lorba's Podcast on Instagram. Otherwise, Discord. Uh, thank you, everybody who has joined Patreon recently and continues to support us. Thank you, everybody who listens as well and thumbs ups, upses the show. Um, I know they're not exporting to YouTube, which never really mattered, but that is a known issue. It's a technology thing. It's being worked on by the people who host it. So if you get this show on YouTube, sorry, this is like three weeks late at this point. But uh, yeah, otherwise... That's a very oh, small subset of the, of our folks, but yeah, we know yeah. you exist. There's like yeah, 1,300 people who subscribe to YouTube or whatever, so... But we had so, Yeah, like we, 88% is Spotify, like 99% yeah. is... is not youtube but yeah. <laughs> yeah. no need yeah. to tie snakes More into the ceiling of the offices yeah. of youtube just if, yet. if it's if it's 13 subscribers it's it's 99.99 percent is not youtube yeah. i think uh but hey we pander here that's what we do we have 1300 uh, yeah. jamie yeah. jamie jamie who you pander into um pandering to the patrons like come hang out in the discord we've been having a lot of good chats lately i'm in there every single day and uh i see rain some or new shine. people rain or shine uh, it's kind of just uh, what hangs out on my computer all day. So uh, hang out there. We can we can play some games. Maybe I know some people are trying to get uh, dark and darker lobbies set up. Uh, some people were doing arc for a little while and like mm-hmm. building di- doing requests. So you could be like a dinosaur. Uh, so it's like name your favorite dinosaur. I think I'm a stegosaur in someone's game. Nice. Um, that, oh, also, stegosaur one of the favorites. Is your favorite dinosaur? I just picked one. Okay. I don't know a lot of dinosaurs. I'm gonna be honest. Pete's the but, uh, the the big jaw fish, right? Dunk Dunkleosaurus. Dunkle- oh yeah. Or no, so, your yeah. favorite dinosaur is probably a, a pterodactyl, right? Right, Pete. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Actually, I'm, I'm my favorite dinosaur is one of those big sloths. One oh. of my favorite things that happened in the Discord recently too is there was just 
uh, people hanging on a channel. One was streaming Sonic Adventures 2 modded and people oh, just yeah. watching it. <laughs> like <laughs> It's just like a, a small crowd gathered around a CRT TV of Sonic Adventures 2. Yeah, uh, yeah, dude. Like, uh, that's that's the vibe we're going for at the very least. Even though we yeah. We're trying to follow the rainbow at the very least. Yeah. Uh, yeah. If you guys if you guys want to support the show, uh, tell your friends or leave us a review. Uh, recently, we've been getting some awesome reviews from some of you listeners. So thanks so much again. Jippy says, amazing and funny. I've been listening to this podcast, honestly, on Spotify. Listen to maybe all of the episodes. They are funny and also didn't know uh, lore about things I didn't even know had lore. They're funny, interesting, cool. If I could give more stars, I would highly recommend. The legend says, after weeks of my coworkers mentioning this hilarious podcast, which was actually the original title for our show. As an exclamation for him, quietly giggling to himself, I decided to check out the Lore Boys. Now I find myself not only giggling, but also annoyingly reiterating everything I'm learning to someone who already knows. Thanks for the laugh, guys. <laughs> Shout out to Robert. Um, I like that uh, your colleagues got you into it. That I, I want to know the people in that building. Like how <laughs> we've <laughs> fucked up the office culture. Somewhere, yeah, they got right? it playing on the intercom. They're doing donuts on their forklifts. They're, they're having a great <laughs> yeah. time. Yeah. Uh, Honest Don, who's in the Discord, says, best hot dog lore podcast. These these guys are always entertaining and have a wide variety of lore. While I love video games, fantasy, and sci-fi, the real world lore stories are some of my favorites. You're welcome. I listen to the Santa one every Christmas and share with all my friends. Keep up the good work, my dudes, and please never stop making excellent content for me to put into my earballs. This was ju- like just before Christmas, Pete. Honest Don's probably gutted that you didn't do a Christmas episode this year. Just yeah, like, sorry. Honest Don, if you need a, <laughs> a hot dog fact, hot dogs are meant to be weaponized. Or, I mean, meant to be enjoyed, not weaponized. Not weaponized was ESPN's quote of the year yeah. after a fan threw a hot dog at Tiger Woods. After so. a fan yeah. tied a hot dog to the inside of a Vietnamese dirt tunnel. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> maybe this hot dog maybe on the back of the neck you gotta suck the hot dog poison out <laughs> uh gi jerk who's also on the discord says one of the best fake history podcasts i would say the best but sure uh these guys are funny they talk about games movies comics and other stuff that's interesting and some even some that ain't they make a lot of jokes about a variety of things sometimes they get a little off topic mm, i don't know but who doesn't want to know when hot dogs were created <laughs> listen to these oh, guys in 1836 by larry hot dogs when he dropped his prize-winning bag of pig assholes into his dick shaper machine <laughs> <laughs> listen to these guys once, these, give it a, <laughs> once you give it a couple episodes you'll see why it's an easily bingeable podcast uh thanks so much everyone who's leaving us reviews it, it really helps the show a lot uh tell your friends add a like on youtube for our 1300 listeners um <laughs> and yeah keep uh keep being yourselves uh i'll uh also say fuck jk rowling uh trans rights um don't give don't give your money to uh hogwarts legacy uh instead you could give it to our patreon patreon.com slash the lore boys <laughs> where we believe that trans people are people and that uh yeah. jewish people uh deserve to be treated <laughs> with respect uh, yeah. and, as humans uh I don't. Um, I, would, I don't even know if I would go to say as far as to say don't buy the game. I think tra- trans people have rights. I think they're they're completely valid, and I love you. But I I don't know. It, yeah, it, it gets because it becomes don't buy a. Anything. Stop buying yeah, any give video us your games. Money. Give, give us, us yeah, all your exactly. money. That's, yeah. Cancel Netflix too. I don't even know what the fuck's going on there anymore. Who gives yeah. a shit? To, to yeah, give I, it to me. I, I got I to stop using my mom's Netflix now. I can't afford Netflix, guys. Come on. I, I don't even share. I don't, share, I don't even share my Netflix, but I cancel it in solidarity for oh, all yeah, you folks brother. that do. do Thank you. Yeah, Thank yeah, you. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Patreon.com slash Lord if you guys want to reach out to that. No Lord Boys Prime this week. Just trans rights. So thanks. Bye. Bye. Lord Boys out. Lore, lore, that costs lore boys, lore boys out. Out. Yeah. 
Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. 